very special episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast. I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have my co-host, researcher, minister, and friend, Charles Paisley, the founder of ChristianGospelChurch.org. And together, we're examining the history and the intersections in history between William Branham and other key figures that either influenced or were influenced by the post-World War II healing revivals. Charles, today is a very special episode. It'll be our first non-podcast um, special alert of research that we found. And um, I think some of our listeners know, but I recently made a trip to Mishawaka to the church where William Branham allegedly, quote unquote, stumbled on to those Pentecostals that he allegedly was not part of. And the research that we've identified so far and processed is so overwhelming and so significant that I felt like, you know, we needed to have just a side episode just to talk about some of that research because we record these episodes weeks and weeks in advance. And um, honestly, this is one of the bigger finds that we've had. Um, We're going to be talking today about William Branham, who claimed to be a Baptist minister who had, quote, never heard of Pentecost before he went to this Mishawaka trip. And through a long series of events, which I'll explain during the course of this short episode, we have identified that William Branham was, in fact, a ranking member, a leader of the Pentecostal Church. Yeah, it, it, it's really some interesting stuff uh, that, that's been uncovered. Um, you know, we, we kind of already knew that William Branham was was Pentecostal from the 20s, basically, at this point. Like, we, we've, we've known that because we knew Roy Davis was really Pentecostal, and we knew that they, they were specifically, they were oneness Pentecostal, Jesus named baptism, perform, you know, they believed in divine healing, speaking in tongues. They, they were entirely, thoroughly oneness Pentecostal from the 20s. Um, but what we didn't know is how connected they were to the groups that would later form the United Pentecostal Church or other oneness organizations. And what we what you found at Mishawaka, which is incredibly interesting, is the same time William Branham was there, Raymond Hoekstra was also there preaching yes. um, at the same time. So, um, and we also know that William Branham had the Reverend Kurtz, who is another prominent Pentecostal minister from Cincinnati, preaching at the tabernacle the month before he went to Mishawaka. Um, so what what it appears uh, is that William Branham already knew Pentecostals well before 1934. He invites Reverend Kurtz. He has enough influence and pull to convince the popular Reverend Kurtz to come preach at his tabernacle in Jeffersonville. Uh, Reverend Kurtz, if William Branham didn't already know about it, no doubt told him about uh, the Mishawaka Convention um, because Reverend Kurtz was well connected to the the church in Mishawaka, which was a very important church. Uh, And William Branham travels up there in September 1934. um, And there, if he hadn't already, he meets Raymond Hoekstra. So that's really uh, intriguing information to learn. It is. You know, you never know what you're going to find when you go into these research facilities. And this research facility just happened to be the church where it all happened. And um, I think I've 
mentioned briefly to some of the people that have been curious about what we found that the church was just, it was overwhelming. They just widely opened their doors to us and said, here's our history. We're proud of our history. Come look at it and pulled out all of their archives for us to look at. And honestly, I've taken so many photographs of documents and pictures and publications. I even, I haven't even showed you this, but I've, I've got this old record of the uh, some of the songs that they sang and recorded in the church and um, you know we've got audio audio recordings everything to go through and process well um, while I was up there I was up there because Bernie Wade um, had connected me to them and he invited me to go after I left this lady brought Bernie Wade this large bag full of all kinds of miscellaneous items, materials. And in it was a uh, some issues of magazines, older magazines, that further connected William Branham to Hoekstra. And it led us both down this trail of research that, um, you know, I'll be honest, I was very surprised. It connected him into the archives in a different facility in a different state. And... Um, through the course of us digging through it, he found that um, William Branham was actually an associate editor for the Herald of Truth magazine, which was a, at the time, a Pentecostal church magazine. And this, this breaks the life story in several places, significant places. Number one, this puts William Branham as the uh, editor of multiple newsletters, for Pentecostal and Lateran revivals while he claimed to only have a seventh grade education. So here's an educated man who is editing a newsletter for United Pentecostal Church. Also, he claimed to be a Baptist minister, which we've thoroughly proven is not true. But not only was he not Baptist, he was fully through and through Pentecostal Church. Yeah, you know, what... I am so amazed that you have turned up these magazines, John. As you know, I have been looking. I have been looking for these magazines myself for quite some time. Um, so the Herald of Truth magazine, you know, it the the publisher of it is W. E. Kidston. And as I've as I've mentioned before, when William Branham rose to popularity starting in 1945, W. E. Kidston is really the man who becomes William Branham's first publicist and first uh, campaign manager in that period of time. And he had a magazine uh, that I knew he wrote that went that predated William Branham. And I knew if we could get a hold of these, uh, we would be able to find out basically what a lot about what William Branham was doing in these years. And what, what I'll point out to uh, the readers, John, I was trying to figure out last night, this is now the to the best of my knowledge this is the fourth oldest document about William Brando's ministry that we currently have access to now this yes. is this is older than the voice of healings this is older than the only thing we have there are there are three tracks of William Brown that we have that are older than this so so this is now the farthest back we're able to actually have um, printed material um, from William Brando's meetings uh, and so this, this this is just really uh, amazing, um, and and Kidson here uh, he continued in this role right up. This is 
This one here is from May 1947. This is a year before Voice of Healing starts. This is a month before William Branham meets Gordon Lindsay. So uh, it, this is really a, this edition that we have is really from a very key moment in William Branham's ministry. This is the month before he starts his transition to Gordon Lindsay and begins a major stage persona change. Exactly. I mean, this, it, again, this is just so significant. I'm almost at a loss for words because, I, you know, I grew up listening to these life stories over and over and over. It was, uh, it was a big part of my life. I mean, it was, I'm sad to say it, but it was part of my personal identity were these life stories because I grew up with, quote unquote, the prophet and learning that the prophet lied so frequently, but not just frequently, so significantly. He literally lied about himself, his backstory. Uh, I knew that he was not truthful about his personal history, and we've discussed the reasons why that could be, why he would want to cover up who he was from a personal standpoint. I did not realize the depth of deception in his religious backstory, because he makes a clear separation between himself and the United Pentecostal Church as though he would have never, ever, ever been associated with it. And then I find out he's writing their newsletter. <laughs> yeah, and what what's really interesting, and you know, if, if this airs next week, John, it'll come before, um, I don't want to ruin our next episode, but uh, that will come out. But, you know, through the healing of Robert Doherty's daughter, he became very popular in in UPC circles and and the Raymond Hoekstra connection back to Mishawaka is part of that um, Raymond Hoekstra um, by the time you get to 1945 is the pastor of a large UPC church in Indianapolis probably perhaps the largest UPC church in the United States at that time and he is one of the most influential leaders in that movement and William Branham and Raymond Hoekstra actually team up Kidston is part of that team um, and they're they're touring together because uh, Hoekstra is little David Walker's uh, manager uh, so William Branham teams up with Hoekstra with little David Walker with Kidson right and this is the team that that, that he's working with 1945 1946 and into 1947 uh, before he transitions over to working with Gordon Lindsay. One thing, John, I mean, there's so much, so much in these things. It's going to take <laughs> a few days just even to read through it all. I know. But one thing that just immediately jumped out to me, as soon as you showed this to me, John, uh, I, I said, wait a minute, that says voice of healing. <laughs> <laughs> I know okay. I saw that too. I was, so, I was floored, man. This is before the voice of healing magazine existed by almost yes. a year. This is a year before the voice. And the reason I said, hey, that says voice of healing is because when you come actually to the voice of healing. So here is the a 1950 edition of voice of healing. William Branham <laughs> says in here how voice of healing got his name. Uh, yeah. There's an article in here where um, William Branham says that uh, I'm trying to turn to the page. I don't want to. Damn it. These are pretty delicate. Um William Branham is asked by Gordon Lindsay, according to this, to come up for a name for their magazine. Here, here's the article, <laughs> right. and and in and in this article, uh, William Branham explains how he was inspired to name Voice of Healing Magazine, Voice of Healing Magazine. Yeah, and 
<laughs> when when you read when you read the why William Branham named it Voice of Healing magazine, and then you look at W. E. Kidson's Voice of Healing columns, right? Um, you realize that William Branham made all that up too. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a, it's incredible. You know the the depth to which William Branham was making stuff up. Right. Um, all the way back, I mean, it, it, it just reinforces William Branham was making this stuff up, faking supernatural experiences, right? Right. All the way back here at the early days, right? He faked the supernatural experience by which he named Voice of Healing magazine. Yeah. When you compare those articles, there's just no way around it. Yeah, he claimed that God spoke to him in the voice and gave him the name of Voice of Healing. Well, apparently W.E. Kidson was God, and it was the voice. You know, um, I noticed that, and I don't know if you've seen it or not, but a few years ago I put some videos out of like a docu-series of, um, you know, William Branham's history. The cult heavily attacked it and actually killed my YouTube site. We're only recently starting to put them back up, and I can't remember if, <clears throat> We've made it that far yet or not in the episodes, but there's a point in time in which I think it's right after Kidson starts calling, using the name, the voice of healing to describe William Branham. So he's got a column of the voice of healing. They, they began advertising William Branham as, quote, America's voice of healing in the newspapers. And that was how it began. I, at that time, thought that was the earliest mention of the voice of healing, which also contradicted with Branham's claim, you know, that God spoke to him. <clears throat> There's something else <laughs> that, for me, was very interesting in this newsletter. Um, there's a column called Branham Books, and in this book, it says that um, they are nearly ready to publish the Heavenly Vision tract and the um, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever book, says that um, these are nearly ready. So there is a timeline that, <laughs> again, I'm just, I'm almost at a loss of words at how, <laughs> how wrong this all is compared to what we grew up with. Um, you know, we've examined the timeline, and, and I think I'll take a step back and just talk through that timeline a bit. We've mentioned, and we're getting ready to mention even further, how William Branham kept changing his stage persona, his religious history, his personal history, and kept rebranding himself, re reworking his own timeline to fit the timeline of the ministries as he separates from, you know, different sects of Pentecost, etc. And one of the things that he did that we are about to talk through in upcoming episodes heavily, um, this I Was Not Disobedient to the Heavenly Vision tract kind of exposes himself in a funny way because it talks about I was in the healing ministry, then I left, then I came back, then God gave me this vision, then I started healing in 1945. And um, so here they're talking about, and this is a 1947 issue, they're talking about that tract, Jesus Christ, or the Heavenly Vision tract. And <laughs> what's funny about all of this is it is a further reworking of the 1946-ish tract that they wrote <clears throat> because 
he's having to basically abandon his previous versions of stage persona. And then after this, he's about to rework his history again after he leaves the UPC. So it's just, yeah. I, again, I'm almost at a loss of words. Yeah, it, it, it's very, again, it's just very clear reading through this that he is going through very rapid revisions of his history here. And I, I would say one other just very interesting thing just from this one that I've, I've been perusing is it does seem to reconfirm um, some of the stuff we, we, we had stated in the episode about the Angelic Commission that it seems to solidly point to William Branham and these things starting in 1945. Right. Um, and in early in 1945 as well, because those, I believe the original tracks that we have access to put it in March, March of 1945 that it got started. And this would correspond, uh, some of the dates we're seeing here would correspond with William Branham's um, rise to popularity starting in 1945. Yeah. And, and again, <laughs> every detail of Branham in this is significant because it's so vastly different than what we grew up with. <clears throat> this section, the Branham healing campaigns that you're referring to, it gives the list of the upcoming revivals. And there's Jonesboro, there's Vandalia, Louisiana, Missouri, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Edmonton. Um, the very first words of the very earliest transcript that we have access to here not the earliest recording, but the one that we have access to here is we're getting some quote unquote new gadgets for recording, which I've mentioned several times implies there were old gadgets, old recordings. And if you look at the Vandalia meetings, they describe a very glamorous lights, cameras, action type revival. It's very electrified and you could hear Branham on the loudspeakers throughout the entire place right well here is a list of all of the places that he's going with this road show and there are dates in 1947 you've got you know june you've got july you've got august i i welcome any researcher who is interested in the, the branham history and how deep the deception runs to just take a look at the transcripts that are available to the public for 1947 and you'll notice that not only do we have the ones before these new gadgets missing we also are missing almost the entire 1947 revival tour they have been completely pulled from his cult following Another thing that is incredibly interesting here, John, also from that revival schedule, and this might bore probably a lot of people listening to this, but <laughs> I know to me this is very – it's its just interesting stuff. Um, so I notice in his revival schedule, the meetings that are mentioned here, um, there's not really – I'm not aware of any other record of these some of these meetings existing anywhere. Right. And very interestingly, that Winnipeg meeting that's mentioned on here – is the exact same meeting, one of the exact same meetings that Alfred Pohl reports in his book um, yes. on John. So if you want to actually read a the missionary secretary of the United of the Pentecostal Churches of Canada um, was was at these meetings in Winnipeg, Saskatoon, and was Branham's guide in those meetings. And if you want to read his account of what happened here, um, here is his. You can get his book. This is available online. 
um, Alfred Pohl, and there's a whole chapter in this book about what happened when Branham came to Canada in these meetings, and um, <laughs> what the churches say <laughs> happened in these meetings and what the follow, you know, is very interesting. Basically, uh, the Winnipeg meeting mentioned in here, not a single person actually ended up healed. Yeah. Um, when they left, um, there was a whole investigation that happened after he left. So 1947, we're, we're at the very beginning here. And there is a good reason why the Winnipeg meeting was pulled. If you go to our website and just type in the search bar, raised a man from the dead, mm-hmm. you'll find that the Winnipeg meeting, William Branham got called out in because he there were newspaper reporters present and he claimed that he raised a man from the dead from the undertaker's parlor in Jeffersonville. And the newspapers just went berserk. Oh my gosh, he raised a man from the dead. So they contacted Jeffersonville and turns out that William Branham completely made this up. He lied about it. And there was a subsequent investigation that flushed out a few more details to this story. So this is why, in my opinion, that the cult would want to pull the Winnipeg meeting from the list of audio recordings that we have access to here because he is just making stuff up as he goes. Yeah, and we go into detail in this in a future episode that we've already recorded. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I won't spoil it all here, but basically um, the Pentecostal churches and the news media launch do investigations after William Branham leaves and basically the sum of it is not a single person that actually was supposed to be healed in Winnipeg was actually healed um, and the resurrection was found to be a fraud as well it was yeah. supposed to be there so this this is just an incredible find John you know we could talk <laughs> about this stuff for quite a long while uh, it, it's just some interesting stuff to digest yeah, there's so much here, and I, <clears throat> again, I'm I'm at a loss for words, but at the same time, I'm wanting to keep going because I literally could talk about this one article, this one issue of the Herald of Truth for the next two hours because it, I, this is a deep part of my personality. I I grew up with with these fictional life stories, and this completely overturns the life story that I grew up hearing and. I'm going to have to stop like right here. I've got to stop because we're going to expose too many things that we're going to cover in the upcoming episodes. So let's let's halt right here. And if you want to look at this, I've created a new research page. It's up and you can type in the Herald of Truth on the website and you can read this entire issue. You uh, go to the research page and down at the bottom, there's a tab that has publications. You can pull it down. You can read it for yourself and we'll stop here if you want want to hear more join us on the podcast and with this and the other information that we're uncovering we've got some great episodes coming 